Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks talk about God. My name's Luke Navarro. And my name is Mike Perna. Mike, it's morning on a weekend. <laughs> this is my revenge. Confused. This is my revenge. So many times have you kept me up till two in the morning doing this recording. Now is my revenge. But How's we're supposed to do it in the dwindling hours of the day when we're a little bit loopy. That's true. It does turn out to be a much more geeky, ridiculous product when we do it that way. But I think we shall press on. We shall. We we have a uh, we have a reason. We hope for being here this early on a weekend morning. We we are looking to have a guest uh, join us on the show. We'll see if that comes to pass. But in the meantime, Mike, how are you doing? What's going on in your world? It's summertime now. Well, I assume is it summertime it- in your neck of the woods? We are having the most ridiculous heat wave. It is insane around here. Um, it, New Jersey is not used to triple-digit weather, and yet all this week we have been having triple-digit, high-humidity nastiness. And so air conditioners all across the state are working overtime. Uh, we, we've had a bit of a break in it, but it is definitely, definitely summertime. Uh, what about you? You in sunny California out there? Well, it's probably it's gonna always be like 70, 70 degrees today, but it is. It I'm, is about, uh, I'm about to say where it's always 75 degrees and blue skies. We uh, hate you all. You know, uh, but it is summertime, which means for me uh, a pretty dramatic change in my schedule. Uh, you, folks might know that I'm a stay-at-home dad first and foremost, and uh, well, the kids are staying at home now because it's summer, and uh, so that means I get a whole lot busier. But, this is when stay-at-home dads time to shine. Right, uh, but uh, you know, this week in particular, it's uh, it's even worse because my wife is traveling for work. She'll be gone for a week. In fact, right now she's probably somewhere over Oklahoma, give or take. Fun times. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's me and the girls, and we are uh, we are bachelor styling it, bachelor with kids. Not yes. as good as it used to be. I'll tell you what. <laughs> You can't spend all day sitting on the couch playing video games when you've got kids. No, but uh, I'll tell you, I have been able to do a a couple of geeky pursuits. Uh, But I'll tell you the one that I've been doing most, and uh, it it is a little bit strange, I suppose. I have been researching, for want of a better term, monsters. All right. Now, I don't know about you, Mike, but uh, when you were little, I, I, I know you had a kind of early connection to like D&D and role playing games and fantasy but tell me what you what you experience tell me what your emotional reaction is when i say the words monster manual <laughs> i love the monster manual i poured over the monster manual i spent large amounts of time looking at all the pictures and yes trying to recreate those pictures to poor poor facsimiles awesome well you know what i have actually been uh, looking for those kind of things. Now, not the Monster Manual specifically. Um, you know, I think... Which I'll... is a shame because they're re-releasing the first one. Oh, are they re- the original? They're re-releasing the first edition Monster Manual. I might need to have that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, well, I don't know about the first edition, but uh, the I had second edition or AD&D, I guess, whatever it was. Uh, um, you know, I'd say... I. <laughs> A good percentage. How about that? A good percentage of those monsters, and really of all of the monsters that we've come to know and love in our role-playing games and in our fantasy epics, are relatively modern creations. 
Oh, yeah. But we have this idea, right, in our heads that somewhere back there, somewhere in some obscure folkloric world is the origin of all of our monsters and all of our fey creatures. How about that, right? So I I have decided to go and find those origins. And it turns out it's not quite as easy as you might expect. Well, there's so much time spent on actually telling the stories that you have to track back through centuries of tales in order to find out where they first got mentioned. You do, and and it's, you know, you tend to think, and Monk, you and I, we studied theology, and so I have a very particular uh, hermeneutic, to use a fancy Bible word, about how I, my experience has been going back, because let's let's be honest, the the history and and my uh, my major at DTS was uh, uh, basically about like Bible manners and customs. So history nerd, yeah, uh, and well, and uh, you know, if we had like archaeology courses, I would have taken those. But that's the kind of stuff I love. I love like culture and the 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 setting of these stories, right? And the biblical stories are really, really well attested. Folklore, not so much. Right, because no one was thinking that it was an, a scholarly venture necessarily. Well, so and, and it and didn't have the significance of faith necessarily. And right, so, and so there weren't any, there wasn't anybody who was documenting right. it. So if you go back and do something really, really simple, like say, for example, try to trace the the origin of dwarves, it's this super complicated. Really interesting, but just, you know, there's so many different folkloric traditions and there's so many different sort of psychological meanings behind this figure. And in my mind, it is the the dwarf or the those these figures are iconic, but really they're not. And so I've been playing around with that lately. All right, Mike, I, I hear clicking and connecting sounds you know old modems beeping and buzzing in the background does that mean we uh, have... the old modem nastiness yeah does that mean we uh, have some I... guests for today we do have some guests today i am incredibly excited about this uh i as i mentioned before uh we pretty much got to talking with some folks over at the steampunk world's fair uh i i usually try to touch base with these guys every year i met them last year and was happy to hang out with them this year as well. Uh, it's very exciting times for these guys. T. Morris and, and Philippa Ballantyne uh, are writing a book, and they also do multiple podcasts, so Luke, you'll appreciate the work that they put into that. Um, they have a series of books, and, and, and uh, specifically one podcast of their multitude, nation, you know, empire of podcasting, that... Um, called the, the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. And in this series, they just recently released book two, which is called The Janus Affair. And so while I was talking to T about it, uh, I said it would be really cool, because he and I have had many conversations about faith and what it looks like in steampunk, and plus they're just really fun people, and I like hanging out with really fun people. So I said it would be really cool if sometime if you and Pip could come on our podcast and, and talk about what you're writing and pimp Janus affair like it's going out of style and talk about you know all the different aspects of faith and and you guys and your marriage and your kid and it, and he's like absolutely just tell me when you want me to record and we'll figure it out so we actually have t morris and pit valentine coming up on our podcast today all right let's give him a call 
Well, Luke, as I said, it's, I'm really excited for these guys to be on here. I've, I've been meeting with them annually for the past couple of years now. Uh, it it started out with weird little Twitter conversations, and now I can say that as I so have many good things do absolutely. <laughs> and now I can say that we have on our podcast award winning, and now I can say best selling authors <gasps> T. Morris and Philippa Ballantyne. Wow. <laughs> I'm, yeah. still, I'm still very hesitant to say best-selling. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. But you like, got on the list. We got Everyone's on the publisher's Twitter. weekly list. The publisher's did weekly you? list. Yes, Congratulations. We yes, we're, hey, oh, we're, yes. We're not qualifying what list it was, <laughs> nor, nor where your position on that list was. You were on a list. No, no, no. We, no I, I have no problems with that. My problem is, is that there are so many of these, uh, uh, of these authors that come on the scene. Um, Pep, you were telling me about somebody that, that was best-selling and their book hadn't come out or something? Yeah, like yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you I mean, see it a lot on Twitter. Yeah, you see it a lot on Twitter. Best-selling author. And I'm like, what, what? And so I looked them up, and they wind up being, most of the time, most of the time, they wind up being uh, best-selling authors with a, uh, a publishing house that they started. You know? Oh, okay. So I, I keep saying, okay, I'm not going to put best-seller on front of my name until I hit NYT. But you're right. Uh, Publishers Weekly, yeah, we we found out that we uh, we were in the top twenty for their best selling um, best selling uh, fantasy titles of the week, and yes, we're we're both very very pleased with that. This does not downplay would it. Stop, would you stop updating your Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> we're in an interview. I was just going to say, T's talking. Facebook.com slash guy. Game store, store profits. profits. Wrong show. <laughs> I was just going to tweet that. He stopped me from tweeting it. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> So yeah, we're so happy that you guys could come on. Uh, you know, it was it was just the other day that we were comparing canes in the hallway. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Uh, and you got you got yourself a sweet walking stick there, bro. Oh, but you you should you should have been a Balticon. Oh my god. So, okay, that sounds like a story right there. All right, so um, this guy at Balticon made me uh, a swagger stick. I have a I have this beautiful brass swagger stick. For my steampunk rave wrap to go with that ridiculously gorgeous leather yeah, jacket that you yeah. spent far too much money on, incredibly gorgeous leather jacket from the same. But here's the thing: the guy who designed it, he also designs walking sticks that double as tasers. Wow! <laughs> um, and we were there when he test fired his new design, a million volts. We were at le- how far would you say we were from? Him? Oh, I was like six. Six to ten feet away. Yeah, we were about six to ten feet away from him. He fired that puppy off, and not only when I blinked my eyes did I see a flash going along the wall, you could smell the charged ozone in the air, and it was just it, it was barely a one second blast. The, the, the stuff you see above the guy, man. I don't know they whether won't to let you take your big wrench, Mike. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had a wrench at last year's World's Fair, and they wouldn't let me take it. This guy's bringing in. Lightning shooters. Well, he's a vendor, so he's he's got a pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's so selling. Yeah, he's I, selling lightning shooters. Personally, <laughs> I don't really. I don't know. We have a friend, uh, Thomas Williford of Brute Force uh, Studios, who who um, he makes little cannons to put on top of uh, pith helmets and stuff. And he got a question, which was, you know, people said to him, why don't you make it so the cannon fires? And then he looked at him and went, because people would be at conventions firing cannons, firing cannons. off their heads. 
Very true. Never underestimate the stupid. If you can do it at a convention, someone will. Yeah, yeah. Even if you can't, someone will. And it's all fun until someone loses an eye. Right. And then it's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, before we get into just more wonderful banter, I do want you guys to talk talk a little bit about the ministry, as it were, the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, because... I've read Phoenix Rising, sadly, because Pip threatened me with death if I brought the book on my honeymoon. I haven't been able to, to pick up Janice Affair yet. Well, look, that's, you're still married, right? So I am still married, You can thank yes. me for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the long run, it's going to work out brilliantly. Thank you. The book will still be there, you know. Yes, it's actually right here next to me. It's great. <laughs> Good. Um, uh, so, well, yeah, tell, tell me about the ministry. Well, the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences is a branch of Queen Victoria's government in the last part of the 19th century. It investigates the strange, the unusual, the bizarre, the, the weird things that your average uh, copper on the street would probably freak out about. It's uh, a covert organisation, despite the fact that many of its field agents are kind of like a bit gung-ho and uh, particularly New Zealand secret agents <laughs> love to blow things up. And uh, it operates in all areas of Her Majesty's empire. So it's in uh, it's in Canada, it's in New Zealand and Australia, it's in India. Uh, so it's a nice broad world that um, we can play in. We can go anywhere in the world. Uh, and we have a lot of fun with it, not just in the novels, but we also write short stories and do podcasts about it as well. I think that's been the uh, the, the real surprise of, of, of this series that Pip and I put together because in a weird way we've been crowdsourcing the world building. <laughs> it just dawned on me. We've been crowdsourcing the world building because we said, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we had all these people uh, write short stories in this universe? And we came up with the Tales from the Archives. And so we've had, we've had Phil Rossi, Nathan Lowell. Right. But the um, funny thing was that without giving anybody any parameters, just saying, okay, here's what you need to know. It's a global organization. They're secret agents. They investigate X-Files-esque kind of stuff. Go. And go. <laughs> and we had, out of 12 stories, we had maybe two that were set in London. We had steampunk in Africa. We had steampunk in India. We had steampunk in South America, in the United States. And as we're, as we're, we're putting this all together, and then we started writing the Janus Affair, we were like, wait a minute. Some of these folks have just created canon. Yeah. Uh, in fact... Um, uh, the 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 biggest impact I think anybody's had on the series so far has been Jack Mangan. He wrote Knight's Plutonian Shore, and he introduced the American counterparts of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences, which is the Office of the Supernatural and Metaphysical, or Awesome. Awesome. Therefore, <laughs> if you're an agent with the Office of Awesome, you are an agent of Awesome. And I was like, that's that's too good to pass up. And so we've actually worked it into... Uh, book three. Dawn, book three, yeah, by Dawn's Early Light. Uh, and and it's, been, um, uh, it's, been, it's been really a lot of fun crowdsourcing and world building because it's taken a lot off our plate. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But, but we do have, I mean, we have had a couple of places where we've had to say, oh, that doesn't quite fit in. So right, it's not like, right. you know, not totally... Total no, yeah, no, it's not yeah. fanfic. I don't, I don't think... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you hear about the, the corporations that, that crowdsource their ideas, I don't think they go, hey, that's a great idea. I'm sure they take their ideas and go, hmm. Some of them are. Yeah, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's been, um, it's been a great ride. And the Janus Affair has already uh, really just surprised us. I mean, the fact that we, 
we made the publishers weekly list where we were we were thrilled with that we were absolutely thrilled with that. mind you the phoenix rising also kind of shocked us as well because we we won the airship award for best written steampunk um and then we wound up being the only steampunk that made it to the final round in any category in goodreads uh reader's choice awards. best science fiction i was i was faithfully voting for you guys all <laughs> up and down on we that appreciate that a lot of people were and we and we were we were we were just thrilled to. We figured, okay, if we make it, if we if we make it to the final round, we we've that won. would be amazing. We, yeah, we've won. Um, but you know what? Let's see if we can. Let's see how far we can take it. <laughs> when Stephen King won, we were just like, yeah, oh, well, that makes sense. I can see that. <laughs> All right, it's we'll let you have this one. Kind of hard to go against Stephen King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The man blows his nose and sells a billion copies. Exactly. It? Exactly. So, uh, what are you guys up to now? I mean, are you guys just all about touring for Janice Affair? I know you mentioned book three. Um, well, actually, we did three cons in three weeks. So, we're a little Ouch. burned out. Um, that was more than enough. <laughs> we are sort of saving our con juju for the end of the year. We're doing um, Dragon Con. Um, we're doing a steampunk convention in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, Emerald Steampunk Expo. Um, and I think we're doing the Baltimore Book Festival, I think, we're this year as well. We're doing the Baltimore Book Festival. Uh, tentatively, we are talking with some people about TeslaCon. And if that works out, we will... We, will we would love to go to that. Yeah, we'd love to go to that. But at the moment, we're uh, writing. I'm writing uh, some other books. And, <laughs> and T and I are writing... Well, aren't you writing? <laughs> uh, I'm writing, like, three books. Yeah. And I'm... Um, I'm currently trying to take as much off of Pip's plate as I can by shouldering a, a good amount of writing for uh, the third book, which is called By Dawn's Early Light. Uh, we don't have a release date for it yet. We, just, we have to finish it first. Then um, we have uh, we have on our plate uh, more productions of Tales from the Yes, we've still got the Tales from the Archives coming um, out. We're not sure which one's coming up next. No, yes, I am sure which one's coming out next. Which one? It's going to be the uh, New Zealand... Oh, okay, great. We okay. we ran a competition for some New Zealand writers just to give some love to my hometown peeps. And Represent, boy, boy, and you know, <laughs> let me tell you something. It was we had to pick one winner, and we actually ponied up the money so that there could be two, because the store there were two stories that we were just like we can't we can't choose one. This we is, gotta have both. We gotta have mm. both because they were so they were so good. So there'll I probably mean, be th- at least two stories. I might my story for the Tales of the Archives will probably be more about the Ministry 7, so it probably yeah. won't be a New Zealand based story. So right. Okay, I I'm so happy to hear that. I love the Ministry 7. <laughs> I, I read about them in Phoenix Rising. I'm like, "Oh, I hope they do more with those kids." Yeah, we um I'm actually writing this the idea is to write some short more short stories for them so that maybe eventually it could be like a little YA spin-off of of the Ministry. I think the Ministry 7 would be a fantastic graphic novel. I do. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I think it'd be such a cool graphic novel. We've got. A, I've I developed in the. Um, I've written one short story for them, which was called "The Precarious Child," yeah. which is set before Eliza meets them, and it's um, uh, featuring a young lady who called um, Verity, who is sort of a young uh, tinkerer and creator of things, and has her own little mysteries. So, you know, it's just finding the time to do, right. or you know, flesh out all the stories. Um, and for my, and for my own my own person, I'm. Setting aside time for my steampunk Moravi reboot, uh, which is which is actually also tied in with the ministry, and then I've got this uh, this science fiction novel that's been sitting on a shelf for, for uh, on a virtual shelf for quite some time, and I want to go back, um, cut the crap that I know that's in there, and then look at the story and go, can I make this a YA? 
because I'm thinking so, something in my gut is telling me that, that I, I need I need a good old fashioned space opera romp for YA. Yeah. Um, and and it's 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 also hard to manage because I'm I'm I'm, I'm the one with a full time job, so I have yeah. to. I have to make sure that the that the bills are paid. Uh, Mind you, if the ministry goes gangbusters, oh, you the know. ministry goes gangbusters, I'm dropping this, this, this <laughs> day job like a bad habit. But, um, Hi, boss. Yeah. <laughs> hey, boss. And, Here's uh, a signed copy of my book and the pink slip. See ya. <laughs> Don't worry, the the door will not hit me on the way out. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I I enjoy what I do for my day job, but it's it's. It's not where my passion is. I mean, and I and I and I find that out every time I sit down and start writing because uh, some of the stuff that I've already come up with uh, in um, in by Don's Early Light has been so much fun, and I'm like, this is what I really want to do. So, um, so I'm I'm still writing. I'm just having to manage my time a little tighter. Okay, so uh, one thing I wanted to, to talk about today was definitely the amazing book trailer you guys put out. <laughs> <laughs> I, posted, I, I posted it up on our, our uh, Facebook page. I was telling people to make sure they got out and read the book before we did this interview. Uh-huh. I I mean, granted, I love the first one. I love the simplicity of your gorilla shot. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> we we shouldn't be doing this on the, <laughs> on the in the wilds of Stanton, Virginia. It was all very ghetto. I mean, it was just, <laughs> there was a reason that they were running. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a great story uh, that, I, and I like to tell people, um, you know, if. If anyone ever asks me, uh, do you believe in God? I go, yes, I do, because he saved my bacon <laughs> Went in Stanton, Virginia, when we were shooting that trailer. Um, so pretty much I was um, I was doing what I did for the second trailer, which was a lot of audio tinkering, because the guy that, the guy that was uh, shooting the trailer with us both times is a guy named Link Williams, um, Bald Groove Studios. Um, Bald Groove is not one for audio. He, is, he, he does not think highly of audio. And I'm the guy that's the audiophile, so I basically sweeten everything up. Well, I wanted to get some really clean audio of us running up the staircase. In this beautiful Masonic, old Masonic uh, temple yeah. uh-huh. in Stanton, Virginia, and this beautiful black and white staircase. We actually used the footage later on in the Janice Affair trailer. Yeah, Because yeah. it'd be like, man, we worked real hard to get that. we got to stick it in somewhere. <laughs> but when we were shooting it, I said, okay, so what I did was I took a monkey grip. You know, you know when those monkey grip tripods right and yep. I, I secured it on the end of an H4N and I secured the monkey grip pointed the H4N down and you know double checked it everything was solid so we're getting ready for the shot we are five flights up and um, we're getting ready to, we're getting ready to run and suddenly I hear this little pop, immediately followed by heads up and I see the blur of the H4N flying by me <laughs> Oh, no. Now, that wasn't as bad as the fact that I had positioned this H4N directly over an antique mirror that was oh, in the... No. Yeah, that was in the stairwell. Literally, it's over 100 years old, and that's where the H4N is headed. Oh, my God. Where I believe in God is that as it's tumbling, it happened to catch the third, the third awning, and it knocked itself out of the way. And land on the floor, and it, and it clattered on the floor, and oh, people were just man. like, man, "I'm real sorry about about you losing your H4N." And I said, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me?" We would have never been able to go back we, to Stanton. Yeah, we'd have been banned from Stanton for God's sake. I mean, it was it was terrifying. Um, but um, but the, the heartbreaking bit was that we couldn't find a place for that footage in the first Phoenix Rising trailer, 
but we did find one in the Janus affair, and and it worked. It worked beautifully. We actually used two shots from the original yeah. Phoenix Rising trailer yeah. in the Janus affair one because they were just such great shots. But we, but yeah. So the first one was very ghetto. It's four people. Four people, and then Link tells me, "Well, we need to ramp it up." <laughs> and I wasn't sure how far he wanted to ramp it up until he really sat down and said, "No, we want to ramp it up." And we went from nine shots, a nine shot uh, um, shooting schedule to an 18 shot shooting schedule. Our cast of four was uh, eight. A cast of eight. Uh, we were doing on location shots again. We were day for night. We were doing day for night shooting. We were doing visual effects. I mean, it was just, it was, at, well, you saw it. It was, it, it, it wasn't a book trailer anymore. It was a short film. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It was, and not just, it, we went from having just uh, Welly and Eliza to a huge cast of people I can't wait to meet in this book. Right. Well, but now, ironically, the, the person that is, that is carrying the trailer, which is Sarah Hunter, she's a character everybody knows and loves. She's Sofia de Morte. I figured she was. And, yes. And and she the, looks exactly how we imagined Sophia yeah. to look, which yeah. we, we were so lucky for that. The really. femme fatale assassin. Yes. Just, <laughs> and, yes. I mean, the funny <laughs> thing about Sarah is that you know, if you see her without makeup, she's cute. She's like con girl cute, you know. Then she puts on some makeup, wears a certain kind of clothing, and you can't take your eyes <laughs> off of her. And um, and she just and and she was in every sense of the word a professional. Yeah, I mean, we got her up at two in the morning. Um, she did her makeup at two in the morning. Oh did goodness. her make full makeup at two in the morning? We wound up using a half second of the footage <laughs> that involved that. And but but the thing was, she was just she was just incredible. She mm. was incredible. And of course, she she um she's Thomas's girlfriend, so we right. got to use all the the brute force studio stuff, you yeah. know, the corsets. And we filmed it all in their house. That's um, their house. That's their entire house. That is their house? That, that is their, their house. house. Yeah. Wow. Even next, the, time I, next time I see him at a con, I'm going to be like, dude, your house is gorgeous. Yeah. And it has an oubliette where you can... <laughs> he has an oubliette. Yeah. He actually He has didn't know that he had one, but we yeah. found one for him. He's like, oh my God, I've got an oubliette. You know? <laughs> and um, the other thing, too, that was, uh, that was very cool was that... Um, uh, Sarah said, so how, how, how much of an accent do you want? And we said, you know, it's optional. It's, if you feel comfortable about it, go on ahead and do it. She spent several days looking up Sophia Loren clips <laughs> on YouTube. And that was the accent that, that, that she was trying to emulate. And we just thought it was, we just, I, I, when she opened her mouth and started speaking with Sophia's lines, I was like, oh my God. She was so, it. so lucky. We were yeah. very, very lucky. And and I mean and everybody in the everybody in the cast, uh, you know, they, they, they stepped up. I mean, PJ Schneider, uh, she was wonderful as as the um, as the mysterious Clankerton. Um, you know, Jed of course was terrific. We we just And we, Thomas was in there. Yeah, Thomas had He play, he plays uh, Douglas, Douglas Shepherd who yeah. shows up in the book. And um, uh, you know, Corinna, everybody everybody involved really stepped up. And we were very lucky to uh, to have people that were just that that driven to, to, to put that together. Um, out of the goodness of their hearts, because that's really what it was, mm -hmm. and it was, um, yeah, that was the other thing too. We went from an afternoon, a morning and afternoon shoot, to four days of yeah. shooting of just you know incredible shooting, and then uh, Link put all the put put all the edits together this time, and I was the one that primarily dealt with direction and sound and the credits, and the, and well, we did that. You did the credits too. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, 
Well, no, what I, no, all, all that I did with the credits, with the opening credit shot, which was, yeah, that was, again, something... Originally, <laughs> I just wanted it very simple. I was looking for simplicity. And then Lynx took me to this uh, this website where there was all these um, all these templates... And we found that template where, you know, you're just falling and there's all these all these things being written. And I'm like, let's try that. And we saw it and we were like, oh, my God, that's effing great. <laughs> and we just ran with I it. I love the sound of the, the pencil scratching yeah, on the paper. That, that, was, that was me. Because Link was like, okay, do your sound thing. And even Link didn't know the stuff that I was going to come up with. So when he saw it, he was like, yeah, that's the extra dimension we needed. And... Um, and it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a heck of a lot of fun, but it was also a heck of a lot of work. I mean, um, what people see in that, um, in that six minute, in that six minute trailer is, um, is about seven weeks worth of work. Um, the one thing that's heartbreaking though <laughs> is when I'm going, ah, yeah, yeah, we're getting some hits. Great, great, great. And then somebody posts on YouTube this this handheld footage of a guy who's recovering from wisdom teeth surgery and he's just and they're just asking him questions just so he can mumble out bad answers and that that thing's got like over half a million hits and i'm happy you know, and i'm looking at our seven week labor of love and it's got less than two thousand and i can't get io9 to look at it you know what i mean I was- I was I was about to say I was like are you sure you want to be talking about this last time you mentioned this it made the internet angry. <laughs> you know, I'm okay with that. You know, because <laughs> actually making the internet angry works. That that seems to be the best way to get hits is making the internet's angry. <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's but but and but but at the same time, uh I also look at it from from the proper perspective of you know what? We did it. We did it. So if we do get that angry troll that comes on, and we actually had something like that happen. Oh, gosh. We had somebody who took the time to embed the trailer in their blog and then say, the tra- and, and they only had one line that went with the trailer after they've embedded it. They said, the trailer's pretty bad. In fact, it's painful to watch. But the book sounds interesting. <laughs> oh, amen. Yeah. I don't even know how one would respond to that. No, you don't. To, no, you, you don't is the answer to that. <laughs> that is called baiting the trolls, and yeah. it's a, it is a zero oh, yeah. sum game. But the, but the thing was that that when we got it done, we could step back, look at it, and go, "Sweet crap, Almighty, we did ramp it up," yeah. and we're very we're, we're very happy with it. We're very happy with it. Very cool. Well, I, I wanted to, to touch on that. You kind of brought it up in some of the other answers that you had. I, uh, I wanted you guys to talk a minute because uh, before I started talking to, to Luke about steampunk, he had no idea. Uh, in fact, I was actually on, and I still joke about Luke this. Is that why Luke has been so quiet? I feel like he's plotting like, for, the, for the overthrow of, uh, of, of, of an of, evenly of, point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it's what we do. <laughs> it's, it's kind of our thing. But uh, I, I, I joke with them because I'm the, the other... pinky, though. You're the brain. <laughs> oh. North. Okay. Um, when uh, when I went on, on the other podcast he does, it's all about books and everything, and I was his steampunk expert. And I said, no, no. No, no. I do a lot of stuff. I am hardly an expert. But on this and on that podcast as well, I have made pains to say that the steampunk community is one of the coolest communities, one of the best communities to be a part of. What are some of the like the truly awesome experiences you guys have had 
in a because not all your writing is steampunk. Like I'm looking yeah. at, at Pip's uh, Hunter and Fox right now, and as far as I can tell, that doesn't look steampunk. No, no. So wh- what about the steampunk community has really brought you guys to be doing stuff like the Ministry? Well, I mean, things like the um, like the film trailer made me realize that the community is amazing. I mean, we didn't know Thomas and Sarah for very long. We'd, what, met them twice? Yeah, met them twice. And we were like, we, we, we don't have a lot of money, but we would love to hire you. And they were like, we need 77 shiny pennies. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, wow. And we were said, what did we do to... To, to be so nice to these guys. Yeah, you know, why, 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 why are they being so nice to us? It um, happened again at the Steampunk World's Fair. Katie Cross, we happened to be sitting next to Katie Cross, and we were just, we were just shooting the banter back and forth. And Katie said to us, yeah, you guys were a highlight of the weekend. We're like, what? <laughs> um, I mean, there, there is a, I mean, yes, in, in, in any community, you're going to find a seedy underbelly. But on a whole, I have been really impressed with the generosity and the, 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 the kindness coming from the steampunk community. But, but what got us into steampunk, at least what got, what got me into steampunk, uh, I remember... Uh, flipping through some photographs of a, of a very talented photographer named J.R. Blackwell. And she had these this, this odd neo-Victorian something or other. And I was like, what is this? And she said, well, this is called steampunk. And I was like, well, what is steampunk? And she proceeded to tell me, and Jared, her husband, well, at that time, her boyfriend, proceeded to tell me, and... Uh, that's when I started to find out more and more about about this odd genre called steampunk, and then I saw my first few costumes, and I thought, "Ooh, this is this is kind of cool." And um, and that was the, it, it was Jared and Jr. that got me going into steampunk, and uh, it's it it was uh, it, it's been a I I feel like I owe so much to them that. Uh, in the in the ministry series, we've created two characters <laughs> that are in charge of research and development, and it's uh, it's doctors Blackwell and Axelrod. And the thing is that well, in, you know, I mean, I, I think the world of them. So I'm like, well, I got to create conflict. So I've made it that Wellington has applied several times for R and D, and Axelrod and Blackwell. Well, Axelrod and Axelrod and, and Wellington, uh, they can't stand each other. Um, he's just he he just, he just you know they just can't stand each other. Uh, and as for Blackwell and, and and Wellington, he's afraid of her. He's afraid of her because of their first date. And you'll you, you, we actually we actually podcast their first date together. Yeah, uh, uh, Jr. ended up writing us her uh, version of what what uh, Wellington and uh, her namesake's first date was like. It's called Women of the Empire. <laughs> it's it's a nice short story, but it's hilarious. Full of double, double hysterical. Yeah, full, full of double entendre. You can have, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what got us. That, that's what got me into steampunk. I I don't know about Pip, so I'm just gonna sit back and let Pip. Take well, it. I've always I've just always liked um, history and messing around with history. And I mean, I did Chasing the Bard, which is my second book I ever wrote, which was about Shakespeare. So it wasn't much of a, a step to you know just a step to the right mm. or the left. Um, <laughs> To, uh, to to mess around with Victorian history. And I love the, um, in the second book, The Janus Affair, we get to mess around with New Zealand history. I get to take one of the, well, the preeminent suffragette in New Zealand who's actually on our $10 bill and I get to steampunk her. She had a nasty accident and now she's got like a which you find out about brass in jaw. The yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. And if you, if you listen to or one. read, yeah, um, 
uh, da, 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 oh, the evil that befell Samson. Mm-hmm. You will hear about the uh, suffragette movement in New Zealand and how Eliza almost made it go boom. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I have a funny feeling Eliza almost makes lots of things yeah, go boom. Yeah. Well, there is a reason that she can't go back to New Zealand, and you find out what exactly happened in the short story. So, I mean, you know, um, anything to do with historical, that's my that's my gig. You know, I love that. Well, we've, we've kind of t- touched on them a little bit, but give us the, the short versions of your two main characters here, of Wellington and Eliza, because not everybody here, sad to say, has read these books, <laughs> though I've been, tr- I've been trying Luke. to encourage them. Luke? You do Wellington. No. Nope. Go on, then. Oh, what, uh, uh, did, you, did you do your homework, Luke, or are you, is that nope as in, as in, no, I haven't read them? No, I haven't read them. <laughs> you will, no, Unfortunately, Luke. I have a reading schedule for the other show that I host, ah, and uh, nothing, nothing gets in that's not on that show. So. Uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, well, uh, Eliza is a secret agent. When you meet her in the in the Phoenix Rising, she's a secret agent from New Zealand. She is I, she's in her like early twenties. Um, she loves the excitement of being a field agent. She loves uh, dynamite. She likes guns. She likes adventure. She has a very low boredom threshold, and uh, she <clears throat> unfortunately this gets her into trouble and. Um, she gets demoted down to the archives of the Ministry of Peculiar Occurrences. And uh, she really dislikes the fact that she's been kicked down there. Uh, where she, When she gets down there, she meets Wellington. And because of her low boredom threshold, she soon finds these um, cases that have not been dealt with by the ministry. Uh, and she drags Wellington along, and st- he starts to have fun after a while. He just doesn't want to admit it. See, Wellington, <laughs> now Wellington Thornhill Books, Esquire, is the, um, uh, he, you're finding more and more about him, not just in in the in both books, but you're also, and in the third book as well, but you're also finding out that uh, that he comes from a, a, a family that's quite well off. You find that out in Sins of the Father. And, I, I can't get any spoilers about it, but Wellington has been—he uh, was predestined for a uh, for 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 a, a military service for not even military service, more like a specific kind of lifestyle. And he chose to throw that into the face of his father and say, "I have taken a clerical position uh, in, a, in a branch of Her Majesty's government," and and he is—he is quite analytical. He's quite intelligent. Um, he, uh, but but he. He, he's putting up a lot of fronts for a very good reason, and I and I I, I can't exactly go into it without spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers. But um, but it's uh, but but his thing is is uh, the facts. You know, he's he's all about the facts. He's all about procedure, and he's also all about um, the um, you know find finding the the story behind the mystery, and um, and you, you see him. You, you see him do that in Phoenix Rising, but you also see him do that in the Janus Affair. Um, you also find out that he's a bit of a tinker, and he he likes to come up with all these gadgets that R and D have no idea exist, and and that's that's also it, it's uh, and that's that's Wellington's character. But the more the more we the, the more you you find about uh, uh, Wellington, the more uh, interesting his life his life appears. I have to say that even though Wellington and I, personality-wise, are so totally different, it's not even funny, I fell in love with this dude. The minute the minute I started reading about him, 
I like something about this guy is just amazing, and I'm I'm really excited that you're telling me I'm going to learn more about him. Oh, yeah. Oh yes. Um, since the father, oh, it, it was really funny. Um, Which is after, a short story in the Tales from the Archives. That was the first one for <laughs> season two. Um, there were there were people that were demanding uh, more short stories, concer- but specific short stories about Wellington. Everyone yeah. wanted to know something about Wellington, and we. Um, and so I said, okay, well then I think I'm gonna I'm gonna draw back the curtain on this one because I've been I've been wanting to write this short story for a while, and um, and when Sins of the Father went live, a couple people joked they're like I knew his father was a Dalek because <laughs> <laughs> I, I I tinkered with the voice and everything, but uh, but no, it was it was uh, I was very proud of Sins of the Father, very very proud of that uh, of that of that story, and um, <clears throat> and yeah, it's, it's one of the things I I, I think. Um, I'm, I'm I'm very grateful, not just to to the ministry, but also to Pip. She got me over my fear of short stories because I could never write them. Um, I would always I would always try to write. I mean, the, the shortest short story I'd written up to that point was something like <laughs> ten thousand words, which is not a, know, short story. not a short story. But I managed to uh, to, to learn a lot, uh, not just by not just by writing with with Pip and Erotica a la carte, but then also turning around and then doing. Um, the, uh, the the short stories for Tales in the Archives. So yeah, um, you're going to find out more about Wellington as the stories progress. Well, one thing, you kind of mentioned it with the whole short story thing. Uh, one thing that we've kind of brought out here as we talk about steampunk is the idea that even if you're copying something, the, by the nature of steampunking it, you make it completely different. So I want you to tell me a little bit about Aladdin. Oh, <laughs> man. Wow. Aladdin. <clears throat> okay. Um, I really feel like I should I should <laughs> bounce that over to Pip because Aladdin happened because of me because of you. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was invited. Um, uh, one of my other publishers, the guy series is Ace, and they were inviting uh, me to contribute to a anthology of steampunk fairy tales. And I wrote a. It is going to come out honestly <laughs> next year, I think. Um, it's a short. A short. No, it's a novella about uh, steampunk um, wild swans. You know, the, it's not as well-known fairy tale. And um, I said, well, my, my husband might be interested in writing a story. So T pitched to them Aladdin, but it ended up being that they didn't have enough room in the anthology for him. So I was like, well, we're not going to let that just sit there. So we, no. we stuck it up on our um, Imagine That Studios, our little publishing our self-publishing, e-publishing, um, and it's been kicking my ass, <laughs> and I really don't want to talk about it anymore. T. <laughs> I like it when she talks like that. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. Um, I, I was I was very proud of Aladdin. Uh, the challenge of, of doing steampunk fairy tales, just in general, is yeah, you want to stay close to the source material, but then you've got to say, okay, stay close to the source material. Fantastic, great idea. However, comma, um, I also need to make sure that I'm telling the uh, I'm telling the story with a steampunk bent. So how do I make it? How do I not glue gears on it and call it steampunk? Because that that tends to be something that not only uh, happens a lot in this genre, but I also notice that it's a turnoff for a lot of people. Um, you make I, steampunks angry if you do if you just yeah, believe yeah, it. You, you know, if, if yeah, if all you're doing is adding goggles and gears, you've done a disservice to what you're doing. Right. Yeah. You know, and and for me, uh, it's all about the details. Uh, you know, um, you know, if you're if you're doing if you're if you're 
if you're doing a spy novel, but you're setting it on an airship, that doesn't necessarily make it steampunk. Otherwise, Archer would be steampunk. Yeah, yeah, Archer would be steampunk, which which it isn't, but it's damn funny. But it is, but it is, <laughs> that's, that's a different story altogether. Um, but the other thing about about steampunk is that you know if you're going to introduce technology, you got to have people using it. You got to have people interacting with it. And then I say you take it one step further and go, well, if this sort of technology exists, how far will some people take it? And in Phoenix Rising. That was what you know. That was what uh, that was what I, I I extrapolated on with with Pip. I was like, yeah, okay. So we have automatons. Great. How far would somebody with a really maniacal bent on the on the uh, British Empire? How far would they take that? And then that's when we came up with the Mecha Men idea, where not only did they have these Mecha Men that were robotic soldiers, but then you've got these Mecha Men that are giant automatons that are driven by two people. Why not? And and to me, that's that's how far you need. That's 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 what you need to do. You need to make the technology work in in respect to the world and to the history. But then you've got to turn around and you've got to make people interact with it. And so with so bringing all that to Aladdin was not as easy as as uh, one would think. And I and um, I'm very proud of the fact that my flying carpet is an ornithopter and that uh, that the genie is actually the lamp. I mean, I'm real. I'm real tickled about that. That was that, that was some fun stuff to play around with. Um, but it's been very, very satisfying when I read people's uh, people's reviews of it, and they say, "Did I just say people's?" Yeah, I said people. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. People's okay, yeah. people's the peoples. The peoples reviews. The peeps. The peeps. Uh, I when I read when I read reviews, and they all say that that I I seamlessly brought in steampunk to this um, this old tale from China and and uh, and Indian lore. And I'm like, okay, I did my job. I did my job because to me, that's what that's what good steampunk is. You shouldn't notice it, you know. Very cool. One thing that you kind of uh, just hinted about, and it's kind of uh, a lot of the crux of our our podcast here is that we're not necessarily just geeks. Uh, we're also really passionate about our faith. And you, I don't want to say, uh, with you know. Not being sorry about it, but you get straight up on your blog on a couple different times and have said, you know, I don't know if you believe in God or not, but I do, and this is what I'm going to write in light of that. Uh, a couple different blog posts have started that way. And you and I have had several conversations over over the wonder that is the annoyance of Facebook um, <laughs> about the nature of the fact that everybody's faith doesn't necessarily look the same, but we're all together in Christ. So I, I don't want to make this cheesy, like, how does... Jesus factor into your storytelling, but just how you know how does your faith play into this? Because have you have you gotten any flack for writing this stuff from from churches or from people? Have they embraced it? <laughs> well, our church, our church, wow, our church, our church is cooler than your church. <laughs> our church, the uh, uh, our our Reverend Stewart. He met us and he was like, so you write? You know, I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I write too. And we said, oh, what, what are you writing? And he goes, why a dystopian? Didn't, <laughs> he didn't blink an eye. And we were like, wow. Um, no, uh, see, are you looking to hire anyone? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, the, um, well, first off, I, 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 I do not think that the irony is lost on, on either Pip or myself that our, our church, the church we've been, we've been attending for the past couple months, 
They have a writers' group. Not only do they have a writers' group, they were founded in 1827 or something like that. So basically, it's a Victorian church. <laughs> um, but no, glue some gears on it and it's called steampunk. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Um, now the, the 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 thing about the, the funny thing about um, about faith and in our genre is for whatever is and maybe it's because there are um, atheists and critical thinkers that 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 write in this genre and they're passionate about it and in this genre people like to dismiss god and uh you know or, or make god something that nobody thinks god is like he's an alien or he's a computer or something like that and i remember at this one book signing i was doing somebody asked me how does a good christian boy like you write science fiction and fantasy and i stared at the guy and i'm like this is a loaded question did you know C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were both? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't go there. I didn't go there. But instead I said, point me where it says in the Bible, thou shalt not write science fiction fantasy. <laughs> because once that com- until that commandment comes up, I think I'm just going to stick with where I feel at home. Um, and that was, the, that was the thing. The, 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 the church that Pip and I are going to, um, Trinity Episcopal, they're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. And it is a little surreal. They, re, they reposted our... They repost. They reposted our our, our book trailer. Um, <laughs> nice. They uh, they and to see them comment alongside you know other friends of ours who are atheists and critical thinkers, it, it's it's kind of surreal. But at the same time, I, I just kind of nod and go, "See, that's the way it's supposed to be." Well, they're they're very um, into the creativity because actually the last service we went to they had little art pods where they were um, encouraging the congregation to go back and create art Um, so to to my way of thinking God gave us uh, imaginations and and, and, and brains to use them Um, and I I mean not so much in the steampunk genre but in some of my um, fantasy works there is a, a questioning about faith and God and where the place is. In fact, in, in um, Spectre, uh, Spectre, right? I get confused. Um, <laughs> in one of in one of the books of the Order series, the um, it, it deals with with the undead coming through into the world, and one of the undead creatures actually masquerades as a goddess. She basically that's Spectre. That is Spectre. Spectre. Thank you, baby. It's Spectre. Um, She, spoiler alert, she uh, basically gathers together a congregation and sets herself up as a false um, deity. Um, And it's sort of the question of, you know, using your brain and and thinking kind of thing. So, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I've never, I've never had anybody say that to me. And I've I've never felt, I've never felt um, the need to to apologize about it. Um, I will say that I, I believe um, that there are just as many critical thinkers and atheists who are just as um, as fanatical about their critical thinking and their atheism as there are West as 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 uh, West as Westboro Baptist. I mean, the mm-hmm. difference is they have different agendas, and they can be just as fanatical. And um, and I I I've, I've always felt that it, it shouldn't be that way. Uh, and and <laughs> it was really funny when uh, when we were at, uh, at at Trinity talking to uh, to Vinny our, um, our our pastor about our wedding. It was, we we were we were expecting to go in and uh, just do a fifteen minute sit down, and it wound up being a three hour talk uh, because she wanted to know more about our past. 
And Pip went into her past, which was about 10 minutes long. <laughs> the rest of the time was me, because I've had one of those kind of checkered pasts that people go, and you're still Christian? And I go, yeah, that's why it's called faith. And, <clears throat> and you know, I will talk until the cows come home about my faith, about where faith has driven me, about where faith has gotten me. Um, and... And I, I will talk about that, but I'm I'm not necessarily going to force it down your throat because that's not that's not the way Jesus rolled, in my opinion. He just he just didn't do that. Uh, I mean, um, and, and and you know, taking that debate one step further, when I hear the uh, the religious right uh, bring politics into things, mm -hmm. that's when I go, okay, you know what? <laughs> You're really really crossing a line here. You know that, correct? And it's 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 really. It was it's it's very hard for me to to, to, to take that kind of that kind of stuff seriously, which is why, uh, on the advice of our of our um, of our pastor, uh, we now we now follow on Facebook a group called the Christian Left, and I'm the more I find out about the Christian Left, the more I like them. Um, it's just it, it is it's a it's a very uh, whether you call it a slippery slope or whether you call it an awkward to me it's 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 like it's it's a bit like all right I'll just go out and say it. Uh, uh, my faith is a bit like sex. <laughs> I don't really feel comfortable talking about it or forcing it down other people's throats. Pardon the pun, but um, <laughs> but you know it's a very personal thing, and, and I've always felt that it's been a personal. Thing. I, th I think it's just inherent. I mean, it is part of your faith is part of who you are, yeah. and part and who you are influences how you write. Right. Um, and and I and I guess for, uh, I guess for me. Uh, at, at least the, the way I've always regarded it is that, um, you know, science can explain a lot of things. Um, it can. And I, and I, that's why I think science is cool. Heck, our church thinks science is cool. I, I find that if I'm not reposting uh, something from Trinity about astronomy, they're reposting something and I'm posting about astronomy. So, so we're kind of swapping back and forth there. But that one thing science can't explain is what we do as writers. Mm. I mean, is it a chemical... Is it a chemical balance, you know, that we can sit down and just write a story? Why are our stories better than some others, but some other stories are different uh, or better than our stories? Um, you know, I mean, there's... And, and why is it that I can sit down, write a story, and, uh, and just, just kind of feel that, feel that, 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 uh, that drive where I go, this is what I'm supposed to be doing? And then I can't turn around. But then when I try to turn around and say, "Oh, I don't know, paint," I can't paint worth a worth. I mean, I can I can barely paint a room, let alone <laughs> let alone a, a, you know a, a piece of fine art. Um, you know, I've I've tried my hand at music. I appreciate music. Do I think I'm talented in music? Not really. Uh, can I engineer or mix music? Yes, I can. Again, why? You know, science can't explain that. And uh, and to me that that's just one of little miracles that I see every day. And so, so my faith is very important to me. And, um, and I'm, 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 I'm thankful for Pip that in her librarian foo, that she found Trinity Episcopal. And we've been very happy there for the past few months. It's, it's very cool. We've often stressed that we wish that the church would kind of go back to the days when instead of fearing the arts that are coming out, that we'd actually start supporting and growing artists and so it's really cool to think that there is a church out there. I'm sure there are multitudes of churches, but we, they're not 
as common as we would like that that actually supports and and embraces those folks who are who are creating truly awesome things out there. You know, I think that I, I think that there's something really valuable in that in a practical way as well. I think that when we are creating, when we are making, it just builds in us a different way of interacting with the world. You know, you talked about the steampunk community and how great a community it is and how generous a community it is. Well, I think that having that making vibe really does lend toward that. Yeah. People like to share. And, and I, yeah, and, you know, but... Uh... Their skills. People like to share their craft. There he is. He cut out. Sorry, you cut out there you for a second. Out there for... Oh, but you're back. You're back. Uh, no, I was just uh, letting you talk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, we can talk. Yeah, and, I mean, but, but I think also part of the community... Um, whether it's a Christian community or a steampunk community, I think that that what sets it apart from, uh, you know, what I as, I as I sometimes refer to as the seedy underbelly, is is that both sides appreciate what it is you're doing. Um, mm. I just recently read something on NPR about uh, it was it was a girl that was basically talking about how um, she had never owned an album to begin with, and she was you know talking about how you know the reason why she doesn't feel like she doesn't either. She doesn't feel like paying um, money for music, or she doesn't feel like she has to pay money for music, because um, you know she's never paid for music to begin with. She talked about how she worked at a college radio station and downloaded you know ten thousand songs and you know ripped all these CDs for ten thousand songs in one day. And I'm sitting here reading this, getting angry and angry and angry, going, "You really have no appreciation for what we're doing, do you?" Yeah. Um, that sense of entitlement you don't see in a lot of communities, a lot of strong communities, mm. because as much as the artists are giving, it's the patrons that are like, well, we're going to give you this in exchange so that you can keep doing this. Well, that and, that, that brings up, right. talk about the community and everything. Um, last episode, I was talking about the World's Fair, kind of gearing up for talking to you guys and everything like that. And I mentioned John Strangeway, uh, steampunk Boba Fett, and the, mm-hmm. and he's doing the whole Remnant thing. And I mentioned Remnant, and I said I sent him a message. I go, John, look, I I have a, a policy about not wanting to mention people and not let them know that I mentioned them. So I just wanted to tell you that I'm doing this podcast, and we're mentioning you. He immediately came back and said, "Do you want me to come on and talk about Remnant? Because I'll do that." <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah. Okay, <laughs> but that's just kind of the environment that you build. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that if we could build that environment in churches, that would be great. You know, whether you're talking about uh, steampunk costuming, whether you're talking about writing books, whether you're talking about creating art, or whether you're talking about faith, you know, if we only have a community built of consumers, people who believe that they are entitled to whatever it is that they're trying to grasp, and we don't have anybody who's stepping in, being the maker, and well, eventually, eventually, the the you know, if, if the makers can't make a living, <laughs> then it won't be there. Then, then they won't be able to make. I mean, that's that that's really what it comes down to, and um, and that's part of what communities do. They that a true community is a community saying, are, "I'm going to pour into this," and I. Oh dear! I, mean, I, think, I, I, I think the dark side is grabbing Luke. I, I, unless he can I, hear us. Yeah. I... We got some cutting in and out. Yeah, it's smooth. It's smooth cutting in and out. It sounded very natural. <laughs> Guys, Mike, guys, are you, are you there? 
Oh, no. This is a thousand voices cry. We're kind of all cutting out from each other here. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be fine. Hello. 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 Can you hear us? Hello. Hi. Norman. Hello. I hear Mike. Don't worry. We'll fix it in post. Can you hear us? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, now they can hear us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you will. We were just going to say it was like a thousand voices cried out at once. It was suddenly silence. <laughs> and then we're silent. <laughs> well, four at least. Yeah. But yes, what were you saying about makers? Uh, we were just basically saying that that, that, that makers, the, the community needs to support the makers because without their support, the makers can't make. I mean, yeah, it's great to give out of the goodness of your hearts, but then eventually, you, you know, you got to pay the bills, you know? I mean, that's what it boils down to. <laughs> <clears throat> and we lost them again. It was so awesome. I'm, I'm still here. Oh, hey! Hey! Woo! Okay, okay, it's like you're giving a little horror. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> when, you're, when you're like, the villain's dead, the villain's dead. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't want to go in the cart. <laughs> nice. Bite your leg off. <laughs> the, uh, the, the idea I wanted to just put out there is that if, if we start backing these things, there is, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to use cheesy Christian speak and say there's a hunger out there in the world. But at the same point, I think a lot of times we, we don't do things out of fear. And we don't do things saying they're not going to like us if we do this. Or they're not going to take us seriously. Or we're worried about what other people back home are going to say. Um, I ended up, I, I shared last last time on the, on the podcast, I shared the fact that in my church, we went down to the World's Fair and God just kind of laid on my heart to do a Bible study, and I found myself in a diner down the street doing a Bible study for a bunch of airship pirates. <laughs> that's really cool. Okay, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty badass, Mike. That's See, I badass. think I think that's really cool. But I'll tell you what I think is more amazing is Mike. How were you dressed when you went to church that day? We were dressed in our steampunk, <laughs> and they still let you come. We were sitting in the front row. Awesome. And, Awesome. We did that last year. I, I took a handful of my youth group kids, and uh, one of the kids suggested, he's like, hey, we have an early service. We can go, because stuff on Sunday doesn't start really kicking until about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. We can go to church in our gear and <laughs> then go to the World's Fair. I'm like, this is the greatest idea I've ever heard. And what denomination is your church? Uh, Christian Missionary Alliance. Got it. Okay. Okay. I totally did not know that. <laughs> so, uh, so we and and it's great because the guys not only not only were they okay with it or did they tolerate it, we had people asking, "What are you guys doing? Your costumes are amazing. How did you do that? What's this for?" And everyone was smiling and everyone was really interested in what we were doing. Uh, uh, I've actually gotten a couple people from church to go to the World's Fair because on Sunday morning we showed up in our gear. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely wrong. not. No. I'm actually, uh, the other thing, I, again, I don't want to keep repeating last episode, but I kind of think I did because you weren't there for it. <laughs> um, I, for next year, my persona is going to be an outlaw preacher. <laughs> well, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, and you see, that's that's the beautiful thing about Steampunk. They're, they're, they're left open for that sort of thing, which is, which is more than, yeah, I mean, we're actually debating about throwing a, a, a gunslinging priest. Yes. Mainly because our, our <laughs> pastor, Pastor Vinny, she is a uh, she's an avid gun fan. Nice. And, oh yeah, and uh, and we're just like yeah, I'm starting to see it a blonde, a blonde preacher. <laughs> well, I I had this this whole idea of this guy who and he 
he's going to have around him this kind of... At first, I just joked about it because I wanted my guy to have backstory. But apparently, I've told this to some people, and they're like, dude, I want you to do this. I came up with this idea of almost like a monastic order called the Order of Melchizedek, which are a bunch of traveling preachers. And I said, I'm going to make myself a little patch that says the Order of Melchizedek. I had like half a dozen people saying, if you do this, I want one, and I want to put it on my outfit. <laughs> so I, mean, I, I, just, I just had this idea of an, of an actual ministry growing up about people going to cons, and rather than being preaching at people, just being Christian, being Christ in that place. That's the, And to me, that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, I mean, I know this sounds kind of Zen, but, but that's, it's just kind of the way that, that's the way I've always felt it should be. It's, it's about, it's not about what you're saying. It's about what, what how you're leading your life, how, yeah. you're, how you're leading your life. And no one's saying that, 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 uh, that you should, you should be leading a perfect life, but you know, you should be leading a life as best, as best as you can, uh, for the betterment of the people around you. And I feel like I, I feel I've always felt that I've always felt God's presence when I write. I feel God's presence when I'm on stage. I feel God's presence when I'm hitting a groove, um, you know, uh, with my podcasting. Uh, it's just it's just you know I'm making. I like to think that I'm making the world at least a little at least a little brighter or at least entertaining for for a few minutes, uh, you know, with 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 the short stories that Pip and I Pip and I create. Well, that, I had to have a conversation with uh, my wife just the other night because I kept telling her I need to schedule writing time. I don't know if it – because I keep toying with the idea of doing this book and I want to do short stories. and have all these ideas. But I said I need to carve out time for this. And she understood that it was important to me, but it, she is very pragmatic, very practical, and she doesn't understand my need for writing. She understands I enjoy it. But she, there are times when she looks at me and she doesn't quite understand that I need it. And I, sorry, I've often, Tea's running I've back. often said that you know it's when you're, when you're in the when you're created in the image of a creator God. That's that for me. That's I'm, I creativity is built into me. Yes, precisely. I mean, and yeah, and I, I have to be doing it. Otherwise, I'm somehow not me. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I, th- I find that with, um, I mean, I've been writing since I was 13. On, <clears throat> I had a gap in between over 10 years where it just felt felt like a desert. Um, but now it's like I, I need to be producing. I need to be um, fulfilling that part of me that, that is God-given. That's, that's all there is to it as far as I'm concerned. I think that's what we try to do on this show. We try to encourage people that, you know, we all have our own ways to kind of cross that veil, to, to feel deeply connected with God, and it's okay. You know, it's it's okay to to be a, dressed in steampunk at church. It's, it's <laughs> okay to feel like your worship experience is when you're writing. Actually, at, uh, uh, at Steampunk World's Fair, I got myself a beautiful um, steampunk cross. It's got like a little gear that actually moves in the middle of the cross. Nice. <laughs> and I always wear that one to church, and I always get nice comments about it. <laughs> well, do you have anything, uh, any way that uh, maybe new fans, because I, I know that uh, a lot of folks who listen to this show are probably like me and not 
super well introduced to the steampunk world. I have, by the way, pressed the send it to my Kindle button during the show, <laughs> so good. I will catch up, I promise. Um, well, uh, you, can, you can find the uh, the ministry stuff. We've got the short stories, the free podcasts, all about the novels and the authors and all of that at ministryofpeculiarrecurrences.com. Uh, and me, about me generally, the other writings I do, that's pjballantine.com. And as for myself, it's tmorris.com. I was so happy that the bell came yes. on here. I was wondering. <laughs> bell I'm have to get one of those. I was just listening to the shared desk the other day and catching up on some of the ones that I hadn't heard. And I, I was wondering if the bell was going to show up. <laughs> where, I, where we go. The yeah. There's the bell. <laughs> Isn't that nice? The bell always All right. Goes. Well, uh, we definitely want to thank you guys for coming on and, and doing this with us. Uh, we're, we find ourselves in a bit of a niche market. And we're always happy when other people are like, yeah, dude, I'll totally come on and say hi. <laughs> um, well, you know, T, he's always yeah. good for a conversation. <laughs> it was fun because I kept telling people, I go, yeah, uh, T. Morris and Pitt Ballantyne are coming on our podcast. And everyone's response was generally either a, who are they? <laughs> or, or it was dead silence. You've got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I prefer responses. to live in that world. I really do. I think it, I think it, it goes well. It speaks well of you that either they're, they're, they're yet to be introduced or they can't believe you'd bother to talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it's, it's been fun. It's good to, um, let, T, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> throw things at cats. Don't do that. All right, fine. Only when I tell you, can you throw things at cats? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. No, it's been it's been great to to talk about. I'm glad you I'm glad you carved out some time for us. Yeah, we appreciate it. And now it's time for us to take a small child to her first overnight camp. Yes, yes. take the boom to camp. <sighs> yep, yep, yep. Taking a boom to camp. All right. On that note, I'll have to hold, I'll have to hold Pip for a while. So I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks all a right. lot for having us on. Thank you guys. See you later. Right, bye bye. Bye. All right, Mike. So did you have all of your wishes fulfilled? I did. I, I, I always love talking to these guys. I usually only get to talk to them, actually talk in to them. Form. In in either yeah, it's either over text or it's at the World's Fair. And so it was really cool to hang out with them. They are truly amazing people. They're just a lot of fun. Uh it's always a good time to see them and to, to, to hear them talk about their their faith and their books and it's just great. You should definitely go out and order many, many of their books. Uh, especially because, like, like they said, the stuff at uh, the Ministry of, of Peculiar Occurrences—it's free. Long before I met them, I was listening to the ministry because uh, of the Twitter conversations I was having. And their stuff is just great. It's really well produced, and it's a lot of fun. You should definitely check that out. Ah, oh, very cool. So, Mike, how can folks find out more about you and your steampunk world? Okay, so my my steampunk world is definitely at tinkerstory.com. Uh, it's my archive of all my stories, which someday I will polish up, clean up, and generally take the crap out to make a good book. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at either Shadow of Cyrano for my own random discussions of life, the universe, and everything, or Von Klockwerk as I keep you up to date on steampunk stuff and uh, all the wonder that is happening there. Uh... I'm also bound and determined to get a, a new perception check up. I've I've still been rallying in the the wake of wedding stuff and setting up life and and assorted nesting and bringing way too many books into this apartment. Um, to, All the more to, reason to live on the ground floor, my friend. Uh, if only I could. Um, but 
uh, I will get an epi- a, a, a post on there probably about married life, uh, but that should be happening soon at perception-check.com. Luke, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter at Luke Navarro, and uh, you can also find us on the interwebs. Uh, thank you, everybody, for bearing with us for a few days while we transferred over servers. I transferred over six domains in one day. Yeah, but it's so pretty now. It is. So head over to GameStoreProfits.com to check that out. Of course, we're still on Facebook, Facebook.com slash GameStoreProfits. And as always, remember that God is the Game Master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on.